0: Get ready! It's time for Motherhood Talk Radio, live on Toganet.com. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from child care to corporate formation. Motherhood Talk Radio features the powerful voices of Christy Holly, Robin Boyd, Linda Franklin, Tracy Coston, Danny Kiernan, Susan Hayde, and Lisa Dietrez. Together, these women bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s, from great parenting tips to moms living with cancer, and most importantly, how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it! Here's your host,
1: Sandra Beck. Hey, Mamas. This is Sandra Beck, and this is Motherhood Talk Radio, and I want to tell you guys a funny story. You know, I am stressed out a lot. I really am. As a single mother of two with an 81-year-old man and, you know, three dogs now living with me, um, it's a little bit much sometimes. I run a technology company, as many of you know, so my days are really busy, and so I was so excited, you know, to hook up with this guest, you know, Kristen Lee Costa. She wrote this book called uh, Reset, Make the Most of Your Stress, and it's, in you know, an indie Book award winner. It's it's really well done. It's easy to follow. Um, and uh, you know, so I was so excited, you know, to have this time with Dr. Chris today. And I have taken this book, I kid you not, because I read on the fly. I've taken it to soccer, I've taken it to spin class, you know. I read before and then I take my spin class and then I read after, you know, while I'm, you know, sitting in the locker room just relaxing for a few minutes. And This morning, I couldn't find it. Like, the one day I needed it before today's show, I couldn't find the book. And I just thought it was really funny that here I am, you know, studying this, Make the Most of Your Stress, you know, Reset with Kristen Lee Costa. And I couldn't find it. (laughs) So, oh, Kristen, I'm so sorry I lost your book. But you know what? I found it. I found it. And I'm so glad um, because you really shouldn't stress over a book about stress.
2: (laughs) Oh, the classicness of life, right? <laughs> oh, it's so
1: perfect. It's so perfect. But What I could find was the little note that you put in the book that says, like, keep calm and carry on. Oh. And I'm like, okay, I can find that. I can't find the book. So I just thought that was really funny. That's great. Oh, well, you know, we are talking to mothers today. And, you know, Kristen, we are so stressed. We are just beyond and and. You know, it was even hard for me to slow down enough to read and absorb the material. Like that's why I had to carry it with me because you know I was you know like I pick up a chapter and then I you know I would read like six pages and I, I I carry my highlighter with me everywhere. Sorry about that. I just banged your book into the mic. Um, <laughs> it's one of those days. Um, but it was really hard for me to to sit down to to start reading this. But I'm glad I did.
2: Terrific. I think we're, I think that most of us can really identify with the whole thing of sneakers on hands on deck at all moments. And I like how you, you know, you shared too, you know, not only do you have your children that you're running around, but then you also have, is it your dad that you also take care of my dad? He's 81. Yep. So you're a classic sandwich generation.
1: I am, I am the ham turkey on Swiss with rye, you know, you throw the dogs in and, Mm. and um, yeah, cause there's elder care issues and childcare issues. And when you have to, you know, like every night I've got to put medicine on my daddy's got cancer. So I have to put certain medicine on him and he's on a restricted diet. And then I got one kid who's wheat free and another one who's a vegetarian. (laughs) I'm ready to kill myself some days and then I don't eat that's the funny thing I've got everybody last night at the dinner table my dad looked up and he you know the boys are eating everybody's happy because I try to I try to make a meal and then I assemble it in parts so you know it has these things that my dad can eat has these things that my one son shouldn't eat it's got these things that my son won't eat you know so a lot of my dinners are assembly dinners Uh and I was so stressed by assembling it and I have to do this thing with four protein shakes in the morning too um and I just, I sat down and he's like, where's your
2: dinner? <laughs> I didn't make a- <laughs> and You know, it's like, it's almost like as I'm picturing that in my mind's eye, you know, you, that just your home load itself, that sheer volume of what you're doing and oh, just all the shuffling and the protein shakes. It's like the equivalent of like three full-time jobs, if not more, you know, just think of like... How agile you have to be through all that and every day, the break, breakneck, breakneck speed that you have to go through, I think isn't rare. That's the thing, you know, and, and for the moms that I've had the privilege of knowing, um, even in my own parenting path, you know, it's intense, you know, it's like 24-7 you know, that we are required to sort of just be flexing from one thing to the next, switch, 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 and it's, it's, it can be overwhelming. And I think that's when our hair catches on fire and we just run around. Um, so that's, you know, that's what self-care really is about, you know. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to talk to you and the listeners today about, you know, what I've learned along the trails, not only in my professional life, but also um, in parenting my son and daughter as well.
1: Well, and I, I love that because, you know, and I'm just going to say this. I got in a fight with, um like, three years ago. I'm surprised the station didn't fire me. But I got in a fight with a guest on the air because she wrote a parenting book, and I'm not going to name her, and I'm not going to bash the book. But I read this, and at the time, my co-host, uh, Christy Holly, who left because she had another baby, had four kids. We both had, between the two of us, we had six kids under the age of six, at the time and her husband's a firefighter i was newly divorced my kids were like like uh six months old and two years old when my husband left me and so we banded together because her husband as a firefighter could be gone for you know four days at a time and and he's a shift manager so if there's a big fire in california he's just gone and so Uh we would rely on each other a lot and we were on with this parenting expert and when we found out like Like, halfway through the show, somebody came through social media, and they're like, you realize that this author has a nanny. She has a housekeeper. They live in the apartment or flat, whatever, in New York City above us. She's never home. She's always working. And it just, something snapped in me because some of the things that she put in her book, you know, Christy and I would look at each other and go, are you smoking dope? Like, who (laughs) (laughs) could like who could sit down with their daughter with dollies and say okay we're gonna work through your anger now oh no it's get to your room and your brother's gonna go to his room just because like that's (laughs) the reality you know of what it was and you know so I started challenging her on things and she's like you could tell that she had no experience in raising her own kid and like you you can't fake it like you can't you know especially when it comes to stress like i can always tell the mothers who are like either lying through their teeth or they're disconnected from their family or they're never home because the moms who really nurture and want to care about their kids and want to do the best for their kids or their parents like you can't fake that
2: it's so true and i think what you said is so vital that when we link arms with one another we connect with people that are also their sleeves are rolled up and they're in the trenches and they're trying to just sometimes survive through the day. You know, we really need other people to lean into because you know, it is, it's just so overwhelming. And sometimes we don't know where to put that, that state of overwhelm that we find ourselves in. And, you know, Sandra, what's neat is that one of the main inspirations I had for writing reset was because I had a mom come into therapy to see me one, one a rainy Monday afternoon. And, uh, What she did was she put her head down so I could see two gaping, balding spots on the top of her head. And that was what really drove her into therapy because, you know, she started to have these physical manifestations of stress. She was just, you know, she was parenting two toddler twins. I think she had teenagers too. You know, her marriage was really rocky. She was barely even getting outside to breathe fresh air every day. There was just no self-care happening. And her body finally was screaming out, uncle, that she needed help. And that was actually a moment where I really said, you know, we need tangible, practical stuff, stuff that actually is proven, but also works, you know, because how much, how many things are out there that say, you know, magic one, two, three parenting, or this five step model will cure all, or it'll get your kid to comply. It doesn't work. And uh, I remember when, um, when I had my, my daughter, I was a young mother, actually, I started really out of the gate fast. I was 20. Uh, when I was expecting with her, she was born at 21. I was fresh out of undergrad years. And uh, she was, you know, a really overstimulated baby. So that's a fancy way of saying she never stopped crying. And I remember saying to my husband, like, okay, let's just keep talking to her. If we talk to her, she'll calm down. But she was really overstimulated. And um, so of course, sleep was never a part of our our life, you know. And then when I had my second, when I had my son three I was like, okay, like we're gonna get him to sleep, and you know, like we'll do everything. You know how it is—you find this book, and I think it was called Baby Wise. And we were like, okay, like if we follow this, it'll work. And of course, it didn't work. We didn't sleep for another year. <laughs> and I think ultimately, you know, there's a lot of things that tell us, you know, it, it boils it down to too much simplicity, or it's too formulaic, like it's too linear. And people aren't linear, and our kids aren't linear, and we're not linear. And so we need things that are fluid that we can use and adapt and tailor according to the chaos of the daily living that we all find ourselves in
1: well and I love the way you put it like you get it like you are totally dialed into what mom's experience because you talk about the daily chaos and the daily chaos can be you know like you know like my little son he's nine he's got some bratty little girls and they decided he wasn't going to talk to him you know at school so he came home bringing that carrying that home and then my older son who's 12 the girl he likes you know wouldn't go to the library with him you know so <laughs> after school so he's like in a <laughs> funk and then you know, my dad is like, I can't get on my banking account. He has to check his online banking account compulsively like five times a day because he watches the news and they always talk about bank fraud. So when he can't get on and that confluence of events and they just they were all chattering. And my little chihuahua, I want to whip him out the window because he was like, like, just on top of all that now that's just normal that's like a normal typical chaos of you know this is how we come home from school and you know i need to take us to commercial break but this is like my therapy more than anything <laughs> um i am sandra beck and this is motherhood talk radio and we are visiting today with author dr kristen lee costa she is mother test mothered approved because she has kids she gets it she wrote a book on how to reset make the most of your stress so for the rest of the show we're going to talk about and Experiences. We're going to put in practical strategies. We're going to give some insightful stories and wise advice. And thank you, for Kristen, for putting that on the cover of the book. Because after losing your book and finding it today, you helped me out immensely. Um, for those of you that are just tuning in, you're going to want to check us out on Motherhood Talk Radio. You can go to our host station, TogiNet. That's T-O-G-I-N-E-T dot com. Or you can go on iTunes and find this and about 200 other shows like it under iTunes for Motherhood Talk Radio. More after the break.
0: Stay with us. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. My life, got my love, got my friends, got the sunshine above. Why am I making this hard on myself when there's so many beautiful reasons I have to be happy?
3: Information about book publishing is power, the power to change your authoring life. and yes, called in with your questions each week. For more on Judith and what she can do for you, check out her website, thebookshepherd.com. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know, but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
4: Do you ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness? More self love and less self loathing? More joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to the living room a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We're saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today.
0: motherhood talk radio with sandra beck bringing you interesting influential and inspiring guests every week helping you make a difference in your world and the world around us let's get back to the show here's sandra beck
1: Hey ladies this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Motherhood Talk Radio I want to take a minute to thank Robin Boyd for putting the music together for the show because years later it still stands the test of time and that segment ended with roller coaster rides so that was just right in alignment with what we're talking about and I'm going to bring on um, an, an extra special guest during uh, this episode Lisa our segment producer in Texas is going to chime in because she is also the mother of the lovely and delightful asher i love the asher stories um and we are interviewing today uh dr kristen lee costa i'm going to call her dr chris from now on she wrote a book called reset make the most of your stress and for those of you just joining us she talked about the impetus for this book was her client came in and had some bald patches because of stress and kristen i gotta tell you when my mom was dying of cancer, I was getting in the process of an ugly divorce. I had, you know, my two kids, one of them was premature, you know, a whole bucket of mess going on. The one thing, and this is I'm ashamed to admit it, but I think it's funny now, because now that I'm better, it, it feels better and not so pathetic. The one thing that got me to run to a therapist was the amount of hair in my hairbrush. I was like, oh my god, my hair is falling out. I am so stressed. My hair is falling out. This is stupid. Now, of course, the way gain the sleepless nights the anxiety no that's not enough to get me to go see somebody but boy (laughs) you mess
2: with my hair it's all over baby you know what it it, i bet a lot of people are nodding their head right now as they're listening because i think it's something that happens to so many of us as moms even myself and yeah it, it just is um it was so compelling when i had that patient before me and she showed me those spots and i think you know, that's what happens. Like you said, you know, there can be all kinds of other sirens going off, but then, you know, we see our hair go and it's like, Whoa, this is serious. You know, this is serious. And, um, and ultimately the other thing you said that really struck me was the shame we feel like for some reason, I think as women, we're conditioned at such an early age to perform, to feel like we have to be perfect, that we have to do all be all. And you know what? Then we feel ashamed when our bodies start to cry, uncle, and yell out, no. And when, you know, when we start to shut down in all kinds of ways, we feel a stigma. We feel like we've let someone down and we've let ourselves down even. And ultimately, you know, when we're up against the sheer busyness and juggling all those balls, something's going to give. And unfortunately, a lot of times it's our own health because we just don't have time sometimes to put the self-care on our radar. You know, it just, it it comes last sometimes.
1: Well, absolutely. And, you know, I have a sister show, uh, Military Mom Talk Radio, and I know a lot of our listeners cross over. So I'm going to bring on Lisa. She is our producer uh, for this show, and she had an experience, um, and I'm going to have her uh, talk about her hair and her husband, Iraq, and her son. So go ahead, Lisa. Tell me a little bit about that.
4: Yeah, I, I had a similar experience. Can you all hear me Okay. Um, but yes, I had a similar experience myself, uh, back when, um, back in, uh, 08, my husband was deployed to Iraq um, and we had our brand new son. He was only three months old at the time, little Asher. And, um, after he left, I, uh, came back home, tried to take care of myself and Asher the best I could by not overstressing, but sure enough, it wasn't enough. And, um, even, uh, trying to live with my mom, it was still, there was so much to do and, The thing that got me that I did go to the doctor finally for was my hair falling out. I didn't understand (laughs) why it was. I knew that after you have a baby, weird things happen, but it had been Uh months. And so I didn't understand. And so, yes, sure enough, that that happened to me as well
1: there you go women in their hair that's it i mean it is because it's i think our hair is a really important part of us i think of how much you know time and money and effort we spend and you know i'm right or wrong it's a big part like people know when they they call me the white ghost in the mexican communities because i come in with this white blonde monster mop of hair and you know it's a part of my identity it comforts me and it's there's so many things to do with it but it's a really good barometer of our health you know and especially our emotional health and you know Dr. Lee, I'd like to, or Dr. Chris, I'd like to ask you when somebody comes into an office, like I'm always curious about this, does a therapist like take note of like your hair, your skin, like if you put together or over put together, or, you know, does that tell uh, like a therapist a lot about you, even without Like, can you tell me I'm a train wreck if I walk in and I've got big bald patches?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So ultimately, you know, what we do is something called biopsychosocial assessment, which is a really long word that basically means, you know, we're looking at that whole person assessment and appearance can tell us a lot, you know, as we're talking about, you know, if you have bald spots or your hair's falling out or like lots of times we look at the black circles,
1: Oh, there, now we can hear you. Sorry, Dr. Chris was talking. Go ahead, you were talking about that psychosocial, loco, crazy, whatever.
2: (laughs) right, it's a biopsychosocial assessment, but it it basically looks at that whole spectrum, you know, that whole picture in which someone's presenting. And again, the physical signs, you know, overwhelmingly in this country, people tend to not even get help until those physical signs show. So take a look at yourself. You know, yes, you want to be in front of a therapist, potentially, to help you look at this. But look at yourself in the mirror, you know, do you have those dark circles? You know, is your hair falling out? Do you look like you've aged like a president? Which I think we all have those moments, you know, from a day-to-day basis. Um, But ultimately, you know, looking at our physical appearance um, can tell us a lot about our health. And again, sometimes, you know, overwhelmingly when we look at the data, people wait until they're to that point of depletion. Because, again, we sort of don't listen to our brain and bodies, you know? We, we just keep going because it feels like there isn't another choice. We've got to put food on the table. We've got to read the Nunite story. We've got to make sure that everybody has the right protein shake and we're not giving the kid gluten that can't have gluten. You know, so there's all these things that we're managing. And again, what happens is we usually put ourselves at the bottom of the priority list. Well, and you know,
1: here's the thing when you're at the bottom of the list, and I'm going to ask Lisa this, because I, I learned this when I went to this Franklin Covey crazy, like two weeks, Stephen Covey, seven habits, Franklin planner thing in Salt Lake City, Utah, we spent a whole week on learning how to plan and schedule and benchmark and all this stuff. And at the end of that time, um, I realized <laughs> I'm not anywhere on any of my lists. Like, yeah. I don't even exist. I mean, it was
2: really shocking to me to go, wow, I, you know, I don't, I don't exist. And I think, you know, th- there's something that I talk about a lot in reset and in my work, as I, you know, talk to parents on the individual level, but also as I go out across the U.S. and the world, I'm very compassionate about the message that I have around self-care. And I always emphasize what good airplane protocol teaches us, which is this, you know, we have to put our mask on first and, I don't know about any of you, but when I first hear that, it feels counterintuitive. It feels weird, like, no, I'm not going to put my mask on first. That can feel selfish, or that can feel self-indulgent, or I just I, I couldn't resist the impulse to put the mask on everybody else first. But ultimately, we have to be thoughtful about the fact that if we don't do that, we won't be anchored down, we won't be as present, and we will run a higher risk of getting sick and getting burnt out. And ultimately, you know, when that happens, we're really going against what our original intention is, which is to do everything with a level of excellence or, you know, just in a way that everybody's getting what they need. You know, if we crash and burn, then what's going to happen to everybody else? And I think that people have a hard time acknowledging that until something goes dreadfully wrong.
1: Well, and I'm going to put the mic over to Lisa, but before I do, I want to say something. Whenever the flight attendants say, put your mask on first, I want to say, I will put it on when they're gasping for air, <laughs> and then I will help them because they'll realize how much I do for them. <laughs> <laughs> a little reverse so, psychology for you. Yeah, it's so <laughs> awful, but you know, but it is true. It's like we run and rush and rush for our kids, and Lisa,
4: you you are running nonstop. Um, yeah, I usually do. <laughs> But um, I have a tendency to to try to fill up every single second, because I'm back in college, Um, both me and my husband are, so to go from college and then to do work and then i'm also an artist and so i'm trying to get myself in shows so the combination of all that at the end of the day my biggest goal is sitting down and having time with asher and ben either whether it's watching tv and zoning out completely or uh, trying to read and study but i'm like i must have that time and that is my time because they are who i love so if i can feed myself back that's always good to me
1: well, and and you know, and it's hard to know. And this is what I want to get into in our next segment. Um, we've got a couple of minutes before break. But, like, how do you even know you're drowning before it gets too late? And and Dr. Chris, I want you to comment on that. And then we've got we got about two minutes, and then we'll we'll pick up after the break.
2: I, I think it's one of the things that's the most tricky because we're not slowing down enough to even sort of listen to the signals that our body is telling us. And, you know, we know overwhelmingly that prevention is much less costly than repair. But again, we just override and we just kind of keep drinking that Kool-Aid of today that says gulp, gulp, you know, just do all, be all and always have your hands on deck 24-7. But what we have to do is really be thoughtful and do a lot of self-reflection, you know, even if it's just in the spaces in between, you know, and do those check-ins on our body, you know, like and, and looking at the basic things, you know, should never be overlooked, you know how much sleep are you getting? You know, are you hydrated enough? Are you putting things in your body that are helpful? You know, just looking at those basic health functions, if you start to feel again, physically unhealthy, those are important signs to listen to. But more than that, I think if ultimately, you know, I always I've experienced a lot of anxiety through my life. And I always say it's been a great help to me, but it's also been been tough, tough to battle. And ultimately, you know. We can get a lot of adrenaline from that stress, but if we're constantly in that high gear and we never shift down, those are times when, you know, we just get overstimulated. And I feel like I'm overstimulated a lot, but I'm learning to not always be operating in that place because I know that that tends to just, you know, over time really eat away at my sense of well-being and sure-footedness.
1: Absolutely, we're here visiting today on on uh, Motherhood Talk Radio with Dr. Kristen Lee Costa. She wrote a book called Reset: Make the Most of Your Stress, and it's an Indie uh, Book Award winner. And it's actually a really good book. You know, it's, it it poses a lot of questions, so you're going to have to grab it and take it with you. You know, as you run around, but you'll pick up things like I did. You'll pick up things uh, that'll make your life easier. And when your life is easier, everybody's so much happier. This is Sander Beck for Motherhood Talk Radio. We'll. Pick Pick you up again after the break.
0: Listen as your day unfolds, challenge what the future holds, try and keep your head up to the sky. Love as they may. Hold Stay with you us, there's lots ahead more ahead great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk, talk Radio day. with Sandra Beck day. right after these messages. You gotta be hard, you gotta be tough, you gotta be stronger. You gotta be cool, you gotta be calm, you gotta stay together. As your day unfolds challenge want the future holds, trying to keep your head up to the sky welcome back to motherhood talk, talk radio talk with Sandra Beck bringing you interesting influential and inspiring guests every week helping you make a difference in your world and the world around us let's get back to the show here's Sandra Beck you gotta be, hard. You gotta be tough you gotta be strong
1: Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and this is Motherhood Talk Radio and we are visiting with Dr. Kristen Lee Costa. She wrote a book about stress and I've invited our producer on the show today to come on board because she is a mother of the lovely Asher. Uh, She's also a military wife and her husband served in Iraq and as you heard earlier in the show, uh, he was what, three months old, Lisa, when, when when Ben was deployed? Yeah, he was about three months old when he left. Yeah, that's a lot, and now you're going to school, and he's going to school, mm-hmm. and um, I'm out of school, thankfully, So, <laughs> and I'm not going back.
4: That, <laughs> I did that. So my did plan that. is never to leave. I want to be a professor. Nice.
1: Jeez. Okay, well, you and Dr. Uh, Chris can just go all over there, because I taught at USC, and it was an epic disaster. <laughs> um, epic <laughs> portions. They don't like people who drink large diet Mountain Dews and, and stand at the computer lab making jokes. So it's much better fit for me on the radio. And every time you say Northeastern, I think, I went to Northwestern and I want to correct you, so I'm, I'm not oh. going to do that. But um, we were talking on break, uh, Lisa, uh, Dr. Chris and I, about how many of your students um, are, are, are studying as adults and, and raising a family at the same time. And I would love to hear about that. And I really, you know, I want to hear Lisa, how you juggle this. Um, Go ahead, Dr. Chris, talk about your experience as a professor.
2: Yeah. So I'm situated here at Northeastern and that's in Boston, Massachusetts. So maybe you can pick up on my wicked accent a little bit here. Uh, But, but the great, you know, and I'm not a Mountain Dew drinker. You don't want to see me on caffeine. So maybe that's been part of me being here for the past six years. I'm actually the lead for behavioral sciences, but the, the greatest thing, part of what I love about my work here is that the students who used to be called quote unquote non-traditional are, are now the traditional. So I work primarily with the working moms and dads or working professional students um who again are juggling multiple balls. They have tons on their plate. And what I find sometimes just in the beginning of their process, for moms in particular, is you know like a little bit of that imposter syndrome is what it's called. So sort of a sense of, you know, gee, I don't know. I've been out of school for a while or you know, I don't know if I belong or if someone's going to find me out. Um, and then, sort of the the process of kind of reacclimating, and then, you know, keeping your bearings. Given the fact that if you're a parent, in addition to working and being in school, that's a tremendous amount of load to be to bear. Um, but I love it. I love working with my students here because, and and what's great is I'm using reset, you know, in three of my psychology classes, and I've actually been using the model for years with my students because. No matter what profession any of us in or are in or whether our kids are, you know, what I call a meat and potato kid, which I think is kind of rare. You know, kids that are kind of compliant and easygoing. Mm-hmm. I don't know too many kids like that. I know my kids tend to be highly stimulated and intense and uh, not high maintenance because I think that has a negative connotation. But they just require a lot of our presence. And we we as parents, too, you know, want to give the best that we can. So, you know there's a lot to all this, you know, juggling and, you know, wanting to aspire and and get our educations and reach our goals. And again, that can be like tremendously transformative and wonderful. And it can bring a lot of terrific things, but it also can sometimes make us chew our nails, right. And make us feel unsettled and insecure. And just like, again, like there's not one more second in the day to just sit down and have that little sacred space of maybe have a glass of chocolate milk or a glass of wine, or a little TV zone out time, like you were talking about, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people's margins don't exist, and there's very little buffer zone. And, and that's what reset is about, is like how do we you know, carve out time and space somewhere along the line to regroup and recalibrate? Um, and you know, I talk a lot about that. Um, just in chapter eight of the book and the realized part, you know, making sure we're realizing when we're overtired, when we're overworked, when we're overstimulated, is not the best time to make blanket judgments about ourselves or about our stress or to think we can or we can't. It's a matter of buying time and finding ways to sort of, again, you know, reground ourselves in those moments and buy time until we can feel a little bit better. That's great. Go ahead, Lisa. Okay. You have a question? Oh,
4: yes. I know. I was I was listening. It's funny you say the meat and potato kid. I think I was blessed with the only one of those. I haven't met many <laughs> other ones. Um, he, he makes life pretty easy, and I've had to learn how to um, ask help from my family um, and rely on them. But uh, do you have advice on that? Because that's something I just... Just this month, realized I needed to do was um, my husband has time and Asher's old enough to do chores. How do I go about asking help after I've spent so many years uh, being the do-it-all supermom? Um, trying to realize that I can't do that and that it just hurts them because then I end up getting mad when everything's not going right. So, do you have advice about asking for help from our family and
2: friends? Absolutely. And again, this is something I, I speak to later in the book. Like, how do we sort of bring? these ideas to life you know how do we put them into play and I think what you're asking is a profound question right because what we really need to dismantle is some of the conditioning that we have as women right and this goes back a long time and it relates to deeper things like our sense of identity and our sense of purpose who we are and you know years ago I worked with a mom who was having a hard time with exactly what you're what you're asking about you know like delegating and sort of not feeling guilty if she couldn't do everything. And what happened was she, you know, was feeling guilty like about things like laundry, not getting put away or feeling like, you know, things weren't perfect. And then, you know, she realized that she really needed to ask for help and she also needed to, she, she ended up finding, I I encouraged her to find some work outside of the home because she at that time was full-time at home and um, she was kind of losing her sense of identity and purpose. So I think as women, we have to be really careful discerners of those messages that start at a very young age. You know, even in the family I married into, I married into uh, a Portuguese family. And so my in-laws, a very traditional, kind of what you might call old school, very traditional gender roles. And so I feel like, you know, just the fact that I, I actually really enjoy cooking, it's actually something I enjoy. I feel like it's a good creative outlet. You know, um, and so I, I do love to cook and I cook well, but I feel like that's almost like a benchmark thing that they're judging me on in a sense, you know, like that that, that gives me like, you know, some kind of badge of honor, but remember like all this stuff that falls into our laps, you know, putting this matching the socks, which is something I hate by the way. Um, but all those things it's almost like people sometimes take that on as a source of pride. And I'm not saying that those things aren't good and they don't have their place, but what if you don't enjoy cooking or if you stink at matching socks or you just have much more things that you can do and want to do, you know, then we have to be strategic about not only how we think about it, but then what we do. And we have to give ourselves permission really to say, why, why is this? Why is it that my gender affects that this falls into my lap? And, you know, a um, great—I love the work of Bridget Schulte. She's actually a Washington Post reporter who wrote a book called Overwhelmed, When No One Has the Time to Work, Love, and Play. And she looked a lot at all this kind of stuff, like how much of the home responsibility still in 2015 falls into our laps. And ultimately, you know, we just have to be careful and say, you know, what if we have other career goals or educational pursuits or other things— You know, is there something we can do to streamline and and be strategic so that we're not spending all this time in this mundane land, right? Of like, we just don't feel the joy. And I think that those are things we have to be careful about because society will prescribe it to us from day one. And it's very entrenched in how we think about things. And I think we've made progress, but we have far to go.
1: Well, and Dr. Chris, I want to chime in here because, you know, I went through this in my marriage. I had married a traditionalist and it was funny. He was a traditionalist creative in his creative life. He wanted to be, you know, do all these things and not have any responsibility for the bills. But then he still wanted this traditional kept household. And, you know, it was a big part of the downfall of our marriage because I could not keep up like I couldn't be the breadwinner like basically I had to be the man and the and the woman you know in the household and it was really tough for me and one of the things that working outside of the home gave me and I'm not saying that everyone has to do it it's not for everyone I get that but it gave me perspective because one of the things that happened Dr. Chris is you know, in trying to keep up everything, I kept feeling like I was failing. The laundry wasn't done, so I was failing. The, the the food wasn't the way I wanted it, so that's another failure. You know, and failure is a big word in my my psyche. I have to remove it, but it is mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. So there were all these household failures. You know, the house was dusty. The mail wasn't sorted. You know, the, the dishes weren't out of the dishwasher. You know, all these things that a traditional, like, husband kind of would expect because I was out running a company, you know, all day. And I'd come home, two kids, tired, an hour on the freeway each way and instead of calling a halt to it um i i just i tried to keep up and you know and it almost killed me and one of the things that i sat down with my therapist and she said something really profound to me she goes how can you be so successful the minute you step out the door, but when you step home, you're an epic failure. She's like, it's your perspective. It's how you're judging yourself. It's how you're seeing things. You're buying into that traditional. You must have the hot meal for your husband, you know, when he sits down. And then she'd say things like, you know, and he should have mowed the lawn. If you're going to be traditional, you should not be out mowing the lawn. It was very funny how just getting out of the house gave me perspective. And I know we've only got a couple of minutes to break, but we'll, we'll, we'll carry this into the next segment.
2: I I think it's something that we really have to be critical thinkers on because, again, you know, that whole construct of traditional has luckily been dismantled in a lot of ways. But if you think about the time span in which those beliefs, you know, back in the 50s or I think about my mom and my grandmother's generation, you know, those are really, really entrenched beliefs that don't go down without a fight. Right. And ultimately, you know, we have to sort of really be careful about how we take the bait on those messages because they do affect our stress bottom line and they do really play with our sense of, you know, on a deeper level, never mind our stress, but just a sense of self-worth and feeling good about our roles and ourselves. I mean, this stuff really damages people and I've seen that through all the years of my work and my clinical practice and with my students here at Northeastern you know we're here with dr chris her book is reset make the most
1: of your stress when we come back from the break we're going to talk about this we're going to talk about these cultural expectations that just add a whole bucket of stress on top and you know lisa our producer and i am here to support you guys because we all go through this as women and as parents at some point in our parenting career we're going to have more after the break
0: Stay with us. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages.
3: I am beautiful no matter what they say. Words can bring me down.
0: I am beautiful in every
3: single way. Yes, well is there more living for you to do yes start living inspired be here for living inspired with trisha goyer thursday afternoons at 4 3 p.m central on toginet.com trisha will dig deep into the topics that matter most to women inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world and maybe even deep within their own hearts trisha is a wife mom speaker family expert and author of 24 books For more information on Tricia and Living Inspired, go to her website, TriciaGoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Tricia's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Tricia expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start Living Inspired. Living Inspired with Tricia Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Gerasi, Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of paying it forward. For more information about Josephine, her business and background, you can go to mymomknowsbest.com. Josephine Gerasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's paying it forward. With tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned, these pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for paying it forward with Josephine Gerasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on Doginet.com.
0: back to motherhood talk radio with sandra beck bringing you interesting influential and inspiring guests every week helping you make a difference in your world and the world around us let's get back to the show here's sandra beck
1: Hey, Mamas, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here on Motherhood Talk Radio, and we are visiting today with Dr. Kristen Lee Costa. She's also a mother of two. We'd love that. Um, and, you know, we've been joined today by Lisa, our producer. You know, Lisa is one of the behind-the-scenes people that make these shows possible. I know whenever she runs my shows, I have the best time, so I'm so excited when she comes in, and I'm really proud of her because I believe that, you know, when one family member serves, the whole family serves, and, you know, she did her own to her duty when ben was sent to iraq so and now both she and her husband are educating themselves and where i want to go with this next segment girls is is i want to talk about on the break i wish everybody could have heard the conversation because it was really good but we were talking about one foot outside the door and one foot inside the door and i will tell you i am a working full-time mother but i have the luxury of working in my home so i can go down the hall from my family and so i can run out you know when there's a lego emergency or you you know something like that i can assist it things and that's both good and bad but one of the things that happens is I don't get out of the house. I don't speak to anyone that's not electronically piped into my little office unless the kids are here or the parents drop off my kids and I get a five-minute conversation with them. And something happened yesterday that was very atypical for my life. I was able to get all my work done, get the kids off to school and get to the gym. I went to the gym for like 35 minutes. It's right near my house. Then I whipped home and then I realized I didn't do the wall board for the elementary school that I had promised. So, And I had all my supplies. So I ran in there and I'm putting the wallboard together in the hallway while the kids were walking in and out of lunch. I must have talked to a 100 kids. And then I went to soccer and I had finished my work so I could sit down with the other moms. And we were all having the best soccer mom talk about how hard it is with everybody getting sick with the temperature change and all this stuff. I came home on top of the world. I was such a different person than I was the day before. And it was called physical exercise and human contact. But sometimes we don't get it, Dr. Chris. We're running. And, you know, like I think of Lisa listening in class and maybe there's not, you know, room for talking to the people in your class. And then you've got your kids and then you're going here and then you're in your car and you're just going, going, going. And I got to slow down enough to talk to these little kids and have them help me staple stuff to the board. I had so much fun. I haven't had a good day like yesterday in a really long time. And it required me to put one foot outside the door and have one foot inside the door.
2: I love it. I I think that it's a great way for all of us us to think about it. And I really want to cut to the chase and and say, you know, we don't need to just reset our stress, but we have to reset our expectations of ourselves. And we have to really, in that we have to stop and know what makes us tick? What we need to feel vibrant, to feel good, and what we need to stay away from being isolated. Really, you know, when when and I think this is kind of the modern peril too, right? So, the whole thing of teleworking or working from home um, is something that you know I've been kind of looking at from a, a research perspective and sort of trying to figure out like what effect does that have on us? And I think being at home, even when we're engaged in purposeful work, still is isolating, and there's no substitute for face-to-face time and for human contact. And, you know, again, this really relates to Chapter 9. I talk a lot about, you know, what we find energizing. And then later in Chapter 12, I talk about relationships and connection and that human touch. And, you know, you're just you're striking on some key chords here that we have to be able to make sure that the things that we're doing actually make us feel good. And it's almost like you could think of it like a bank account. You know, when we're making deposits into our self care or our emotional health account, that makes a huge difference. But if we're constantly just screen sucking, as I like to call it, or just at home, and we don't have those other things to engage in, we can then find ourselves kind of shriveling up and not being, you know, where we want to be. Um, And I think that's, again, a modern dilemma. Um, But for any parents that are home, you know, full time, what we were talking about at the break is, you know, is it possible to have both parents if it's if it 's a, a double headed household you know lot there 's lots of us that are single parents, um, and, and in that case, I think it goes back to lisa 's point of asking for help but is there a way you know to not just be stuck at home twenty four seven so to speak, and you know besides the running around, you know are there meaningful things outside of the the home that you can be involved in that cultivate you know, your true essence, you know, who you are as a person, what makes you light up, what makes you tick, the things that make you feel good. And a lot of times that is just the connection with other human beings um, that makes a huge difference.
1: Well, and I got to tell you, I had a conversation with my older son, he's 12, um, in the car the other day because, you know, it was one of those days where, you know, I just couldn't even breathe. I was rushing, rushing, rushing. And then I had a phone call planned with a girlfriend of mine who was hurt in a car accident in February. And, you know, I really wanted to talk to her. And both kids decided just to go bananas, you know, like five (laughs) minutes before the call. And it was, you know, it was a call that was really important to me. And, you know, the next morning, you know, of course, I yelled at the kids and everything was. A disaster we all went to bed mad and I didn't get satisfaction you know with my friend because I couldn't be there for her and I got up in the morning and I said to my older son on the way to school I said you know when you come back to school and you see all your friends at lunch after summer break you know how happy you are and how that makes you feel so good and you feel connected and part of something and he's like yeah mom I said well when you pick on your brother and you want me off the phone because you need something you can't give me 15 minutes you take that away from me and you know and he just kind of sat there you know in the car because he's a preteen you know thinking about it and my little one in the back seat goes I'm sorry mom I know you need your friends (laughs) but the thing was we did because you know we're you know we're a family we're a unit I've got my two kids and me and then my dad you know you know three quarters of the year um but recognizing having your kids recognize that You have needs, too, that you need to talk to your friends or you need to take a bath or you need to watch your TV show. It's like, hey, guys, you do not own the TV. You know, mom matters, too. That's a big phrase in my house. Hey, you know what? Mom matters. I matter. You know, it's not just what you want for dinner. It's what I want for dinner, too. Sometimes, you know, we all have to take turns. I matter. And I've had to actually say, because I'm in a household of boys, even boy dogs, (laughs) I (laughs) matter.
2: Absolutely. I mean, you're speaking to is such a good culminating point of what we've been thinking about together is that you know, what we're what we're buying into, what we're believing, those expectations and how we're living those out are being watched. You know, our kids are smart and they are astute and they pick up on everything we say and everything that we do and don't do. And so if we're, you know, just letting ourselves be that punching bag so to speak or you know, we never stop to regroup. You know, what is that? What message is that sending to our kids? And I think about our kids a lot and the pressured generation of today, right? And it's like it starts from such an early age. you know, like back when I was in kindergarten, I don't know if we needed to read yet, but all the standards from the get go from school all the way to the college admissions process, you know, the messages that our kids get are getting too. They have to do all, be all. You know, you've got to have the Kardashian rear end. You've got to have the Pinterest perfect parties. You've got to do all these things. And you know what? You know, weak as parents can end up reinforcing that too because we're taking the bait on it and we're trying to do everything perfect and we're trying to give, give, give without any regroup time. And uh, yeah, I mean, thinking about Pinterest fail, right? Yeah, Pinterest. No, oh, I
1: know. When you said that, I'm like, oh, I my love God. it. I you know, love Pinterest you
2: know, fail we all. Because... Yeah, I do too. You know, it's like we all try to pre- present these great images of ourselves and we all have stuff underneath. And you know what? We all have fail moments. And I think that authenticity that we model to our kids, what we show them that we're real, that we have feelings, you know, that we shouldn't be taken advantage of, uh, that we might be really strong but also vulnerable all at the same time. Those are things that, that they have to see, you know, I, and I believe that, you know, my daughter is now 19 and my son is 16. And so I'm just enjoying, you know, the stages that we've had all through the years have been filled with great moments, but hard ones, too. But I think our kids know when we're not when we're faking it, you know. And we well, have I think to do everybody's
1: real. figuring it out, Doctor Chris. You know, you bring up Facebook, and and you know, I've noticed a trend over the years because I'm an analyst and a statistician. You know, I just love love numbers. I love to see the response rate. Like when I put a picture of my kid on Pinterest or no, I'm sorry, on Facebook, he was playing with my phone and he actually took a picture of himself right up his nose, and and I wrote he <laughs> swore he you know wasn't playing with my phone. But that got so many likes and comments. And then you know, one time I made this. It turned out really good. You know, people liked it and everything. But I think you know, people try so hard to present themselves on these social medias as perfect. When it's so much more fun if you show the imperfection of life and like the reality of life. You know, it's like people think it's like their own TV show and they have to present this false front.
2: It's so true. And you know, in in my book, I wrote a a chapter. Chapter five is called "There's No Golden Ticket," and I really hammer down on these things, right? Because again, like there's so much image building stuff to go around, especially in the day of social media. And, you know, it makes everybody look so glamorous and so happy. And I always say, you know, you could walk into my house on one given day and say, wow, you know, they get along well, you know, things are going fairly well, decent family here, you know, right. Then on another given day, you could walk into my house and your jaw would drop and you'd say, why are you so unraveled at the seams? Here you are a stress expert and you know this is your whole <laughs> life's work and you're, you know, you've unraveled. And, I think that's all of us. It's all of our story. There's no one that can say that they're immune or exempt from that. We're real people. you know kids aren't machines and robots, and neither are their parents right? And so we have to kind of really you know be honest about what we're up against. We have to link arms together, and we have to really reset our expectations, reset ourselves each day, and think about again how we can model these things for our kids, but how we can really keep ourselves grounded because, boy, it's easy to get sideswiped. It's easy to get sidetracked and distracted uh, from what's really important and from our real purpose as parents is to love and nurture the development of our children. You know, ultimately, that's what we want. We want the best life for them. Not a perfect life, but the best life we can give them. And we also, in the meantime, don't want to run ourselves into the ground. This is powered up or i'm sorry we're on motherhood talk radio i even have my card here this was dr kristen lee costa
1: check out her book reset make the most of your stress it'll change your life that's what we want change it for the better we'll be back again next week
0: Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck.